0: the website, he's seen that the Maverick faces are described as being unique for each model as well as for each loft in the fairy woods and the irons. Is there any further information on how the faces are different? This is the Fitting Room Podcast. Here's your host, Nate Adelman. Welcome to another episode of the Fitting Room Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Adelman, with special quarantine guest hosts. Broadcasting from his home studio, Dave Neville. Dave, thank you for joining me once again here on the Fitting Room.
1: It's good to be with you, even if we're not in the same room. You sound great, Nate.
0: Oh, I thank you. Uh, yeah, so we are still broadcasting from the friendly confines of our respective home studios, but uh, that doesn't mean just because the the Callaway Podcast Studios closed does not mean that the Fitting Room. Cannot continue. The show must go on.
1: The show must go on, and uh, people have questions. They got questions, and we got answers.
0: And so we uh, we've spent uh, you know we've been home a little bit, and we've spent some time on the Callaway community of late. And the questions coming into the fitting room, dare I say, pouring in as golfers are spending a little less time on the course and maybe a little more time analyzing what clubs are in their bag? Should they be in their bag? You know, uh, I think we've seen a little bit um, that there are, you know, some people fortunate that they're still working, but they don't have restaurants to go to. And so, you know, save a few bucks here means maybe I could afford a wedge this month, something like that. So uh, that's why, Dave, you and I are here today to break it down. Um, Just last week, we had a nice podcast with uh, Kellen Watson from the tour truck. Um, so that was a nice episode that went live last week. If you haven't checked that one out and you want to know what it's like life on tour, uh, with the Callaway tour truck, give that one a, a listen. And, uh, the week before a little bit of tinkering gone wrong. So if you're, if you got a tinkering project on your mind, make sure you check out that podcast before you potentially ruin a golf club. Because you know what, Dave, uh, Tinkering can be an expensive hobby.
1: It can. It can. I know uh, you with uh, Adelman Clubworks, um, you've, you've had a few tinkerings gone wrong.
0: There has been some tinkerings gone wrong. Um, uh, we didn't cover this one, but most recently, Dave, you and I were doing a little regripping in the new setup, and we realized we did not have a squirt bottle for the solvent. So there was this little extra solvent cleanup on that one, but... Good news is I have a squirt bottle now. So next time we're good to go.
1: And good news is I have all new grips MCC plus four with the ARCO system to get a little, maybe a little fitting data, but a little on course data um, from those.
0: Well, hopefully we'll be able to take those out on the course soon. Um, But without further ado, Dave, what do you say? We dive in to give the people what they want, which is answers to their questions.
1: Let's dive into the mailbag.
0: All right. So this first question comes from Josh S4081. And this is a great question. I will classify this under the tech talk category of fitting room questions. So um, uh, Josh wants to know an explanation of the different unique Maverick faces. So, on the website, he's seen that the Maverick faces are described as being unique for each model as well as for each loft in the fairy woods and the irons. Is there any further information on how the faces are different? So, for example, Sub-Zero, uh, that face is maybe designed to maximize ball speed in the center. Maverick, consistent across the face. The Max, uh, maximize ball speed in off-center strikes. I guess those are uh, questions, not statements. Um, what would, how would they vary by loft? And then, getting to what Josh is really after, what combination or what specific face would be best suited for someone with a high toe miss? So, which of the Maverick faces are designed to optimize? Which one was to put into the supercomputer? to have a constraint of maximizing the high-toe ball speed? Dave, break it down for us. Wow,
1: there's a lot to unpack on that, on that question. Holy smokes. But in terms of the, the faces, to answer the question, uh, the, with the supercomputer and using artificial intelligence, we don't determine exactly what the different thicknesses are going to be on each of the on each of the faces. So that's really done by the supercomputer, but what we do do is put in different constraints. And what our investment in supercomputing and AI over the past year has allowed us to do is put in more constraints into the system to tell it what to to look for and what to work on. So one constraint would be around durability. So it has to be strong enough so that it's not going to break. Somebody's swinging it at 120 miles an hour, something like that. Another one would be around ball speed and where do you want to have peak ball speed? Not just in the center, but but off center. And then there are ones around spin rate and spin rate uh, robustness. So there's a lot of different constraints that we're we're putting into the the supercomputer. And then to answer the second part of his question, the high-toe miss... Um, that is one thing that the Flash Face, the SS20, is outstanding with. it. It's very, very good on the, the high-toe, very hot on the high-toe. So you're going to see great both ball speed and spin rate robustness there from all three heads. But I would probably say the max is the the better of the three, and we'd love to get your opinion as well, Nate.
0: I can say as, a, as someone who uh, is a regular of the high-toe ball, I can say that the – Uh, I have hit all three Um, they definitely are hot off the high toe and I think part of it is because what you mentioned about the robustness having the thicknesses and having the stability in the head uh, when you hit it off the high toe you're not getting twisting in the golf club so you're able to keep that ball straighter um, and you're not seeing as much of a drop off in spin as well so you can still maintain a nice spin rate instead of it being like really low spinning and falling out of the air. So I've seen uh, at least Maverick, It's uh, I'm playing the standard model. You really don't even notice when you hit it off center in terms of just looking at the ball flight. So um, anyway, I think all three are good for the high miss. I do agree with you, or the high toe miss. I do agree with you, Max is going to be the most forgiving of those. Um, one follow-up question for you, Dave. The constraints and what was trying to be optimized, can you share how that varied between, let's say, the max on one end of the spectrum and the sub-zero on the other?
1: Well, we really can't. That's sort of a proprietary thing. Um, Yeah, so we're not going to be able to reveal like what all of the different constraints were for, for each model. Uh, But one thing you can do is you can look on our website and take a look at the the faces, and they are very unique for each of them. Just by the fact that the head shape is very different for all three, you're going to have different and unique faces, but we put different variables into the the supercomputer and then it's basically spitting out the best possible face. And this is very different from what we did previously with Epic Flash, where we really only had time to create one face for the driver and then we had to apply that for the Sub-Zero. With Maverick, we have unique faces, not just for each of the drivers, but each of the fairway wood models and lofts as well.
0: So how would a face vary from loft to loft?
1: So from loft to lofts, for example, in the in the fairway woods, um, if you look at say a three plus or a three, you need to to uh, put in that a lot of people will hit these off of the tee, right? So you might want to talk about where the the hot parts are when someone is using it off of a, a tee. Somebody who's using say. A 7-wood or even a 9-wood, they're using that very differently. They're probably not using that off of a a, a tee. And that's going to be more about land angle and also spin rate robustness and what you can do low off the face because you're hitting that out of the rough and, and out of the fairway.
0: So my key takeaways here would be, number one, supercomputers are smarter than people. Number two, if we told you the secrets, we'd have to kill you. And then number three... Uh, all golf clubs, because we know that the high toe miss is a common one that is built into some of the constraints to try to make sure that no matter where you hit it on the club face, you're going to get a really stable uh, and robust club face across the whole line of clubs.
1: Exactly. I think you got it. And that was a great question from Josh S.
0: Thanks, Josh. All right. Uh, good question there. Let's move on. Uh, number two, this is from Carl is tall. I'm assuming, Dave, when we answer this question, we should take into account Carl's height. Um, He's all right. pro- probably tall. Yeah. So Carl got a new set of Apex irons after 20 years with his old friends. So that's a long set time to uh, be upgrading. Lots of innovation in the iron category in the last 20 years. Um, He's looking at Apex Pro irons, but because of the loft, went with standard Apex because uh, wanted some extra forgiveness. Um, he loves them, but he's hitting the ball a little lower than he thinks he should be. What will change if I bend my pitching wedge to four iron two to three degrees to get to the pro loft package? I'm not worried about distance because this is a new set and is still stronger than my old irons. I will I hit my apex 5 iron as long as I hit my uh, old three hybrid that's what I'm talking about. Um, so, but playing with the new set, uh, Carl is struggling to hold some greens because the trajectory is too low. Can I bend them two to three degrees weak? Um, if it is not good, can I bend them back? Great question.
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, when you bend the the loft of an iron, you also change the bounce uh, of the iron. So when, he's talking about here, bending them weaker two to three degrees. And when you bend them weaker, you're adding bounce. And typically you're, you're also taking off some of the offset. So the leading edge can ride high a little bit in general, uh, one to two degrees is probably okay. Three degrees is a, is a little bit questionable. And one thing in terms of the bending, just my recommendation is you. it's done by a professional uh, club fitter because you can uh, crack the cl- chrome plating if you try to bend these too much, uh, mm-hmm. and it can, it can stress the hosel.
0: Yep. So I am playing Apex uh, combo set, and I have Apex Pro short irons, Apex uh, standard long irons. I split the set between the six and the five which is not the standard combo set, which splits it between the eight and the seven. Um, and to do that, I did weaken the long irons two degrees. Um, so the, the long irons are two, to two degrees weak, and it's been fine. I think a little more than that, I think I would have bounce issues where I'm fairly flat my swing, and so you may have too much bounce. Like if you're a digger, it'd be fine. Right, but I don't take huge divots so uh, more than that I'd be worried about the bounce now if Carl is in fact tall as his handle suggests odds are he's steep. He's steeper than I am so you might be able to get away with, with that I would start at 2 before I'd go to 3 any more than 3 you do risk breaking the iron as you mentioned um, so uh, that's what I, I would say you certainly can try it and then the other thing which is great about bending clubs you can always bend them back. That's a nice part about that type of tinkering. Um, So that that's no issues. Other options, Dave, in your opinion, that Carl could take to get higher trajectory, or I guess a steeper landing angle to hold greens better.
1: Yeah, um, it, it depends. I mean, some of these are could be expensive options. You know, one would be to do a combo set. That would probably be the the nuclear option in terms of right. in terms of costs. There, right? Um, re- reshafting is a is an option there it's as well. Something lighter uh,
0: or softer potentially.
1: Yeah, something lighter or softer. Changing the golf ball is another yes. thing he could he could look at too.
0: That's what I was going to suggest. Is what golf ball are you playing? um a tour pro likes to have a low trajectory going into a green or some uh, many tour pros like to have low trajectory with a lot of spin going into greens so i would say are you playing a golf ball with enough spin so making sure that you're playing a urethane covered golf ball um the more spin that the golf ball has the higher it will launch or the higher it will fly the steeper it will land and the more stopping power that it has so i would suggest looking for a higher spin golf ball in the Cali lineup, that would be like the Chrome Soft X would be the more spin um, into greens than Chrome Soft.
1: Yeah, but the Chrome Soft would also has good uh, trajectory coming into the yes. greens as well when you're coming with the iron. So maybe trying one of those two uh, balls. If you if you get into something like a ERC ball, it might be a little bit too low spin and that could be, uh, creating some trajectory problems there. Um, and I guess the super nuclear option would be to change your swing.
0: Oh, that's too hard. Changing clubs is easier. <laughs> we don't do that on the fitting room. We don't change swings. We just change clubs. We make the clubs work for you, Dave. That's the mantra of this show. That's right. Um, that's all right. right. Uh, let's move on. We're going to move on to another question from. Zombie sub, and this is a OptiFit compatibility questions. We get a lot about these. Is the Maverick OptiFit hosel on the driver compatible with my Rogue OptiFit shafts? Thank you for the help.
1: Good news, Zombie. Uh, it is. It is. So the, the Rogue, the, the Epic, uh, the Maverick on the driver all have the, the same OptiFit hosel but there is an important distinction here. We, with the Epic Flash lineup on the Fairway Woods, we went to the new OptiFit uh, hosel, a lighter weight and, and shorter hosels. So those uh, shafts are not backward compatible. So if you had um, an, an older shaft and then you tried to put it in the Epic Flash on the Fairway Wood side, that's not gonna work, but on the driver, it would.
0: All right. Good question there. Let's move on, Dave, to the next question from Kinger222005. A lot of numbers. Um, This question is – I like this question because this is a data question. Um, All right. Uh, Kinger got new MD5 Jaws wedges a week ago and was hitting him on the track man at the store to get distances and gapping figured out. Um, The question is, what – is the ideal spin that I should be getting on my wedges. I was mostly tracking my carry numbers, but I recall rarely being over 10,000 and sometimes not even over 9,000 with my wedges. I'm wondering if I should ship my wedges back and have a different shaft put in instead of the Project X shafts from my irons. Um, Other relevant information, driver ball speed is one sixty. So that means swinging it around 105, I'd guess, miles per hour, and seven iron carry is about 175. Um, so not a short hitter. This this is uh, this uh, Kinger's producing some speed here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Thanks for the question, uh, Kinger. So uh, a couple things to to look at here. First of all, it depends on what kind of wedges uh, you're you're hitting. So if you're hitting partial shots, you're not going to get 10,000 RPM on on like a 30 or 40-yard pitch shot. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Where you're going to see uh, over 9,000 RPM is on a full shot, say with a gap wedge, maybe a 50-degree or a 52-degree jaws wedge. You should have a lot of spin there. But the other thing to, to check is when you're doing TrackMan indoor at a store, what golf ball are they using? We just talked about that a second ago. But are they using Chrome Soft X? Are they using Chrome Soft there? Or are they using some balls that, to try to, for durability purposes or something like that? You need a urethane covered golf ball um, for sure. And then in terms of he's wondering if he should ship his wedges back and have the stock shaft, do not do that. Let, let it save you the time, <laughs> energy, and, and money. Um, that is not going to make a huge difference. Now, the Project X is a little bit of a lower spin type of shaft, but Say you change that uh, that out to the the stock, um, the dynamic gold there, um, it it might make say 50 RPM, 75 RPM of difference. It's not going to make one or two thousand RPM that you're you're looking for there. So definitely don't do that. Would you agree, Nate?
0: I agree completely, and I think I applaud you for uh, speaking unambiguously about that part of the question. Uh, <laughs> the in a golf shop typically even if you started with a really premium golf ball after that ball's been banged against the net over and over and over day after day it's going to be losing some of its cover it's going to be the surface is going to be flattening out Um, those balls are not going to spin especially if they're using just range balls in there those are not going to spin as much as you know a fresh golf ball that you're playing with on a course the other thing to mention is you, you did mention this but Your gap wedge is going to be your highest spinning wedge, and then your sand wedge and your lob wedge actually spin a little less than your gap wedge on full shots because the ball will slide up the face more, whereas the gap wedge, 50, 52 degrees, it's kind of like the highest loft that you can get where the the ball grips the grooves. And so uh, the combination to stop a golf ball on a green, it's the combination of the spin plus the angle of descent. Typically, with a wedge, you're going to have a much steeper angle of descent anyway. So, if you have, uh, if you're hitting a sand wedge and it only has eight thousand RPMs of backspin, but its angle of descent is very steep, you're still going to hold a green. I don't. I'm not worried Absolutely. about holding. If you're if you're at four thousand RPMs, okay, maybe that's something we need to discuss. But, I mean, you can uh, hold greens with seven irons. So. And that's going to be spinning, you know, closer to 6,000 RPMs, you know, maybe 7,000 if you're a high speed guy. But um, anyway, I'd say summarize, I don't think there's anything to worry about here. I'd rather have him have the weight and the feel of his iron shafts matching in his wedges than trying to chase some data that maybe doesn't even play out as making better scores on a golf course.
1: Yeah, he needs to take him out on the course with a ChromeSoft or ChromeSoft X ball, hit some shots into greens and see if he has a problem holding the greens. I mean, maybe right. Kinger's a guy who loves to rip it back off the greens, right. but most uh, most better players, especially a higher speed guy like like he is, um, is going to have no problem holding those greens.
0: Perhaps um, Kinger is a codename for uh, fitting room co-host Steven the Slinger. <laughs> who does like to hit it pin high and rip it off the front.
1: I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. <laughs> Potentially. Shout out to Slinger.
0: All right. Uh, moving along. Two more questions here. Uh, here we go. This one comes from Pat H33. Tipping shaft for my Heavenwood. I am building. That a boy. That's a I like that. Building your own clubs. Um, I'm building a Heavenwood with a Fujikura Pro 2.0 shaft how much should the shaft be tipped as it's not really a three wood, a five wood or a seven wood. Uh, but typically Dave, as you know, manufacturers will publish their trimming instructions. And for whatever reason that is escapes me, I don't know why they don't put specific heaven wood instructions on every tipping instructions for every shaft.
1: Yeah. I mean, it should be, it should be every company. They, they they know that Callaway's got a Heavenwood, but right. this one's in your in your wheelhouse. Um, I got a answer that I think would be correct, but, but what what say so you? Next? How about
0: this, Dave? You tell us what is the Heavenwood. Tell me about the construction. Oh, and then I'll yeah, tell we'll have you. I'll tell to do. you about the
1: yeah the the Heavenwood is a really really interesting animal because it has the loft of a seven wood, but it has the length of a four wood. So it's kind of one of these tweeners, and we've sold tons of them over the the history of of Callaway golf because some people use it in place of a three wood because it's just so easy to hit and get up in the air. Some people use it in place of a seven wood to to hit into greens, but it's kind of this this tweener. So a four wood length with a seven wood loft.
0: And typically um, when we're talking about trimming instructions, the trimming instructions are based off of length so in this case the heavenwood is a 4 wood length so oh, I would yeah. tr- I would trim the the shaft like that of a 4 wood um so in that case typically that's going to be for most shafts it's going to be a half inch um a half inch tip uh whereas you know when the driver is nothing usually like the 3 and 4 wood are a half inch maybe you go a little more for the 5 wood Um, and then maybe a full inch for the seven wood because you don't want something that high lofted to be uh, I guess that whippy but um, in this case because it's a longer club like a four wood we can trim it like a four wood um, even though it has a seven wood loft so half inch would be my recommendation
1: I like it good question Pat
0: all right last question here from Casey J 15 Casey is a avid Cali community members so thank you Casey for your participation and engagement in making the Cali community a wonderful place um this question has to do with attack angle so if you have a slightly negative angle of attack I'm assuming when he says you he's referring to himself uh if you have a slightly negative angle of attack of two to three degrees will the epic and rogue Regular driver do better, or will the sub-zero drivers do better, um, and why? So good, thoughtful question there. Thinking about CG location, thinking about spin profile, how that is impacted by attack angle. So, Dave, what do you think there?
1: Well, a lot of players that are down on the ball uh, with the driver, they tend to be higher spin. Um, their, their launch conditions end up being higher spin. And in that situation, you might look at the sub-zero drivers, which are going to help reduce your spin. So I wouldn't necessarily say that the, the regular driver is going to, the standard models are going to do better than the sub-zero for someone who's two to th- uh, three degrees down. A lot of tour players, in fact, the average on tour is about one to one and a half degrees down, um on it and a lot of the tour players are using sub-zero type of models and they tend to be higher spin players and they tend to be down on the ball a little bit but there's some other launch characteristics would you say nate that are part of the formula
0: yes of course i think uh angle of attack is only one of the variables that is uh contributing to launch and spin off the t and i think this one the answer really varies depending on your speed so if you're a guy like producer Tyler who is, you know, 120 clubhead speed consistently, you're going to be if and you're 2 to 3 degrees down, you're going to be generating a lot more spin than someone who's 85 degrees with clubhead speed and is 2 to 3 degrees down where maybe the guy that's at 85 degrees uh, being 2 to 3 I think
1: de- you mean miles miles per hour, Sorry. 85 miles per hour. My, 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 <laughs> my, I misspoke.
0: Yes. So 85 miles per hour uh, yeah. versus 120 miles per hour, if you're swinging it at 85 and you're swinging down to, and it's producing a little extra spin, that may be what you need to get up to 2,500 RPMs of backspin or 2,200 RPMs of backspin. Whereas a tour pro or someone like Tyler, you're, when you're swinging 120 miles per hour, two to three degrees makes you have a lot of spin. And so in this case, my recommendation is you start with the regular. And unless the regular is too spinny, you cannot control the spin, then you can go to the sub-zero. In this case, because of attack angle. But I think that the there's a lot of sub-zero g- players from Rogue who have moved into standard Maverick as well.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, standard Maverick is is pretty low spin. I I guess the bottom line here for Casey is uh, he's you got to get fit. You got to get fit to find out uh, what what you need on the on the heads. But I wouldn't necessarily say standard is better than sub zero there. It's going to really depend on all those variables that that Nate was talking
0: about. Yeah, and uh, in that case, the variable of speed I think is going to be contributing to whether or not a negative attack angle does generate more spin than optimal so uh great question there i really like this batch of questions dave i think that uh you know a little more time at home sometimes it can be dangerous if you're overthinking your equipment setup and it makes you do uh it makes you over tinker which is certainly a thing you don't want to do that
1: yeah for sure great questions this time um I'm always a little scared on the mailbox episode because we never know what we're going to get. Sometimes, there's some real doozies. And we had some uh, really thoughtful, in-depth questions. So thank you to everyone for submitting your questions. And I know you can always submit them through the Callaway community or you can reach us out on Twitter, CG for, yeah. for Nate or CG, uh for, for me. Where else can they hit us up, Nate?
0: Uh, the, the Callaway community, like you said, is the best spot. Head over to the Fitting Corner. Um, I'm always monitoring the Fitting Corner along with the, the rest of the team of guys and, and, and girls at Callaway Golf. Um, the, this podcast, the the Fitting Room Podcast, is just one of the many podcasts in the Callaway Golf Podcast Network. And we have used this time uh, working from home to be recording lots and lots of podcasts. To do everything we can to keep you entertained in this tough time for all of us. Um, so check that out, the Callaway Golf Podcast. They have been on a rampage of tour players lately, Dave. So if you're trying to get some in, insights into uh, PGA Tour players and what life is like and what they're up to um, in their downtime, that is a must-listen, I'd say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've had Xander Shoffley and Kevin Nye, Eric Van Van Royen, Patrick Rogers. the. Every, every day, it seems like we got a new that, uh, tour player. They're yeah, all available, Maverick, which is cool.
0: <laughs> Maverick, McNeely as well. Um, so right. the, the fitting room has put in a request as well to get some tour players to go through their bags in depth. So we can expect that in the next couple of weeks um, as well. So lots, lots to be excited about here in the fitting room as we help you uh, get through this. And uh, hopefully we'll be back on the golf course uh, soon. Um, in the meantime, check out, uh, some of our club selector tools at callawaygolf.com. It's a great place to start your fitting journey. Uh, this episode of the fitting room podcast was produced by Tyler Sheehan and Trevor Miglarino. We'll be back with next week with more from the fitting room.